Welcome to the SJ Child Show, where a little bit of knowledge can turn fear into understanding. Enjoy the show. Here we go. Hi, thanks so much today for joining the SJ Child Show. We have a wonderful returning guest. In fact, I was just thinking and telling my husband, I think you've been my most returned guest, Richard, and <laughs> I, it's a pleasure and honor to have you here. I'm you know, excited to get in and hear some of the updated information and data that you have to share with us today. So let's just you know, introduce yourself for those who haven't heard previous episodes and let us know um, a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thank you for inviting me back to the program to talk about this topic. Uh, I have been uh, in the mental health and substance abuse area for two decades. Uh, I worked at Menninger Clinic, which is a large psychiatric hospital uh, in Houston. Uh, I was employed as an addictions counselor, and I worked with both teenagers and adults who have both a psychiatric uh, disorder as well as a mental health disorder. Uh, and I worked there for uh, around 11 years and then retired from there not too long ago and uh, wrote my book, The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse, because so many times I would meet with parents and go over their child's history of using a substance and they would look across and they would say, I ha had no idea this was going on. Or if they did suspect their child was using a substance, they would say, I sort of thought something was going on, but I didn't think it was this bad. And these were good parents. These are very good parents doing the best job they can. They missed the warning signs because nobody told them what to look for. Mm -hmm. So that's why I wrote my book. I kept it to about 100 pages because I know parents are busy. They don't have time to read volumes of information. <laughs> but I wanted to give them the warning signs. I wanted to tell them a little bit about how the adolescent brain is is needs to be protected and how drugs work in the brain. I wanted to give them information about what uh, assessments should be getting, they should get done if they think their child's using a substance, what the treatment options are. And I put in a, a warning signs on eating disorders and self-injury too, because they sometimes can accompany a child using, mm -hmm. uh, using a substance. So put all that together as a resource for parents to help them feel a little less afraid and more confident uh, about this topic. Yeah, it's so important. And through these discussions that you and I have had over the past year, at least, I have, in fact, used these, uh, the information that you've got given me, I've, I've learned, I've learned, and been able to talk to my 11-year-old about, you know, just opening up the discussions. Let's talk yeah. about why these things are important. Let's talk about why the functions of the brain are at the development stages that they're at so that you can understand why it's important to remain strong in your convictions of not doing these things. So it's been great. And that's a that's that's the approach that I would recommend parents use because kids are curious, they want to mm -hmm. learn, yeah. and starting by teaching them about the brain and how important the brain is, just the basics. You know, their brain is uh, responsible for different things. It helps us talk. It helps us walk. It helps us uh, think through things, and 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 help them get an appreciation for how important the brain is, how vulnerable it is, and how it needs to be protected, and then. And once you've got that established, then you can talk to them and lead them into a discussion about how drugs can damage the brain. And I think that's a very effective approach. 
Yeah. And I think that most parents don't know that and don't understand how, how easy that approach can be with the child's understanding and they're kind of like, okay, I can take this information rather than now here are the rules. Here's the rules. Here's the rules. When they have their own understanding of something and they can apply it to themselves and think, wow, I don't want to damage any of those parts of my development. Right. Um, You know, this is important for me to listen to. And it's an approach that's much more likely to be successful with kids and with teenagers than simply telling them drugs are bad. Don't do drugs. You stay away from them and I'm going to punish you and all of that because Mm -hmm. that just, that just doesn't appeal to them, but what does appeal to them and what, what they're interested in is the science behind it. So Mm -hmm. I think your approach is what I would recommend every parent do focus on helping them understand how their brain works, how vulnerable it is. Uh, Let them know that their brains don't mature till around age 24, 25. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then, and then you can sort of lead into a discussion of, okay, well, let's, let's take a look at how some of these drugs work in the brain. And you're much more likely to, to um, influence them that way. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, I have an older um, daughter that luckily didn't try do anything when she was an adolescent or anything, waited until she was an adult. But now with my younger child, I want to open these discussions up. I want to talk about some of these stigmas and things that parents are afraid to talk about, about alcohol, about drugs, about the different types of maybe the names of the drugs that are being used and, and really like letting the kid know it's okay. um, If we talk about these things and I never get upset or ask, I don't ask questions. I'm not trying to like, what have you heard at school? What have, and I mean, that's not a bad question to ask, but I don't want her thinking I'm, um, this is you're on trial and I want you to, you know, this is, Hey, let's open up this discussion to, let me tell you what I know about these things. And then you can draw your conclusions from that. Yeah, and, and have 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 your child share with you what they know about it. What mm-hmm. have they heard about it? Do they know anything? Do they know any kids who use these drugs? You know, mm-hmm. have they ever heard of marijuana? Have they ever heard of these drugs? And and invite them into a discussion with you about what they've seen, what they've heard, and 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 get the conversation going that way. Yeah, and I like how you brought up the fact about you know. Um, self-harm and eating disorders, because oftentimes it's not until our child is showing symptoms that we are starting to question, oh, why might this be happening? Or, you know, what's changed in my child's life that, that is occurring. But sometimes those things are kept very quiet or in the dark. And it's really important that we talk about them to normalize the discussion to help it not be so shocking when you come up against it with your teen. And it's important that that parents know what the warning signs are too. Mm-hmm. That's why I put them in my book so that you you you're aware of what to look for because kids are very clever. They fly under all all of this and and especially when it comes to things like self-injury and eating disorders, they're very hard to to detect. They're very hard to notice because with self-injury, you know, they will self-injure themselves in areas of the body that that aren't easily observed. You, you yeah. may not even see it. They'll cover it up. 
but but um, you know, the more you know about these warning signs, it's like anything else. Uh, you you feel as if you're empowered to be able to catch it early on if it appears, mm-hmm. rather than to wait until it becomes a crisis and then get caught off guard. Mm-hmm. And the trauma that can be had in that in them having to go through it rather than bucking up on the fear of how to talk to them about it. Um, It's much better that you invade their lives a little um, and, you know, kind of go into what they, you know, their private lives, than then have to backtrack and make up for the time lost in not having those discussions. Yeah, the sooner you can have those discussions, uh, the the more comfortable I think the child will be with talking about those issues and more likely to open up to you. So uh, regardless of the age of your child, it's never too soon or too late Mm -hmm. to, uh, to start those conversations. I love that you said that never too late as well. So that those who, you know, have older teens that might be listening, it's okay to ask them and to start these conversations with them. Because even into adulthood, we all have times where we need to, you know, talk about things that we want a parent to be there for if possible or a caregiver, whatnot. Um, Talk to us about some new statistics that have might've come out since, you know, it's the pandemic. We had kind of previously talked about that and how Mm -hmm. that really had affected um, the kind of the era and society. Tell us about some new things that might have come out, um, you know, just lately. Yeah, we have new data now that just just became available about what happened with adolescent substance abuse a year after the pandemic. Mm. Uh, we we know that during the pandemic, because kids were isolating at home, doing online learning, pulled away from their activities and and, and their peers, that there was a significant decline in the uh, percentage of, of of kids that were using adolescent uh, drug or using drugs, you know, across the board, alcohol, marijuana. Marijuana, vaping, all of those statistics during the pandemic went down. Hmm. So it's very curious as to what happened when kids got back into school, got back with their friends, got back in their social and extracurricular activities. What happened? Well, the data, the data shows that uh, that teen substance abuse rebounded uh, hmm. after the pandemic, but it still remains below hmm. what it was before the pandemic. So there was a slight increase. The pandemic forced a big decrease um, and uh, in alcohol and, and in drugs. But um, a year after the pandemic, what we noticed was that alcohol use rebounded more than drug use. Mm-hmm. It seemed that alcohol returned to be very returned to being very popular with teenagers. There was some increase in marijuana, but again, it's below the pre-pandemic level. For example, uh, I think 8% of eighth graders and 19% of 10th graders and about a third, well, 31% of of high school seniors reported using marijuana. Um, So so there was an increase there. There was an increase in uh, inhalants and hallucinogens and cocaine, but again, below pre-pandemic levels. The one thing that was a bit surprising was that um, there was a rather 
large increase in prescribed medications for ADHD. Uh, these are, uh, are, are drugs that are used for attention deficit disorder. Uh, they're under a doctor's supervision, so they're prescribed. We saw a large increase in those ADHD medications. And what we think happened was during the pandemic year, when kids were at home more, parents were more likely to pick up on the idea that their child might have an attention deficit disorder and and noticed it and then took their child to the doctor and 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 it was diagnosed and they were put on these prescribed medications so that's one explanation as to why we might have seen a large increase in the prescribed use of medicines for ADHD um the other thing i think that's important for parents to know is about this fentanyl epidemic mm, that's yes. going on. Fentanyl is not very commonly used among teenagers and mm. adolescents. It's more in the adult area. But sadly, it's 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 causing a large number of overdose deaths in the in the adult population. So although it's not widely used uh, in, in the adolescent population, it's important for parents to educate their children that pills that they may be getting through social media or may be buying off the street or may be given to them given to them by friends, there is a possibility that those drugs might be laced with fentanyl. Mm. So although kids aren't going out and looking for fentanyl and buying fentanyl, it, the, it, parents need to be aware that, um, that, that, and their kids need to be aware that if they're getting any drugs off the street through social media from, you know, from these sources that are, are available online, there is the risk that, that the drugs that they think they're buying may be laced with fentanyl. So, you know, it's, 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 it's not something that, um, uh, it's just something that parents and kids need to be aware of. Mm, definitely. Terrifying, a terrifying yeah. discussion. I yeah. remember right before Halloween having the discussion that, you know, we once again, I mean, not that we don't always check the candy, but, you know, this is this is why. <laughs> and maybe having more of a discussion around why we're doing it. And that's a good way to bring up those kinds of discussions as well in activities yeah. that are um, around public areas or in in public where you're uh, kind of at risk of, you know, getting a hold of any kind of things like that. And especially, like you said, online, Snapchat, those types of things, I better are risky places to obtain things. And not only that, of course, you know, on, on the streets and things like you said, but um, definitely telling your kids about the risk of pills is, is so important. Yeah, or any drugs, really, whether yeah, they're bought absolutely. off the street or through social media, yeah. the internet, whatever. The other thing that that I think parents need to be aware of is the alarming increase that we're seeing in, in adolescents who are vaping substances like nicotine mm -hmm. and marijuana. Prior to the, uh, to the pandemic, for three years, the percentage of kids that were vaping marijuana and nicotine was just 
off the charts. It was dramatically increasing. Mm. And I think that's still a big problem out there. Uh, you yeah. know, kids, kids are vaping marijuana, they're vaping nicotine, they use these vaping pins, which can be easily concealed. Uh, it's hard, you know, for parents and, 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 and others to pick up on it, they can take mm. them to school, they can oh. run off to the restroom and, 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 you know, vape for a few seconds, and then head back out to school. Crazy. So it's an issue that I think parents need to be aware of that's mm. out there in the teenage community that these kids are turning more and more to vaping nicotine and vaping marijuana. Mm. And let's talk about some of the dangers of that. Let's talk about the dangers of vaping. I think that's a good thing to bring up to some of our parents that are listening. Well, because you're inhaling a substance, whether it's nicotine or marijuana, you you run the risk of, you know, respiratory uh, problems. Um, uh, When they're vaping nicotine, they're actually getting higher concentrations of nicotine than they were getting when they were smoking cigarettes. Um, They're not getting, you know, uh, some of the stuff that was in with the tobacco, but they're getting high concentrations of nicotine. And then whether they're vaping or however they're using the substance, uh, ultimately it gets to the brain. And the brain of of an adolescent is very vulnerable because it's maturing and growing. So when they're vaping a substance or really when they're using any substance, uh, it has the potential to do some real damage to that developing adolescent brain. But I think vaping is 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 on the rise in the teenage community, and parents just need to be aware that that it, it it's really a problem out there. Yeah, and especially if they have it available in their homes, you know yes. that's something they really need to to be understanding and aware of. You know, this is a little bit off topic, kind of the same. But I was at Seven Eleven just getting something the other day, and I you know gave the lady my card. We were talking about podcasting, and she said, "You know, you know what I find so alarming is that a seven year old can come into Seven Eleven." They can't buy cigarettes, they can't buy a lighter, they can't buy cough syrup, but they can buy condoms. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, our what kind of state like the laws really need to be looked at in, in accordance to all of the things that can be available to these kids. Um, yeah. Obviously, alcohol isn't one of them of the other things. But still, I thought that was just astounding. Uh, what? they? <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. So, yeah, I think that. Um, we really need to be careful with what our kids, you know, understand are the rules, regulations, laws that apply to their schools, to their, um, their own homes and communities, things like that. So yeah, definitely some things to have discussions about. Yes. Yes. And I, sure. I think the earlier you can do those discussions and, and the more of those kinds of discussions that you can have with their children, regardless of their age, the more likely you are to, to help steer them away from getting involved in these substances. Mm-hmm. And if they do get involved in these substances, I think that can be very scary for parents. Um, the parents need to know, okay, if I suspect my child is using a substance, what should I do? And that's why in my book, I have a chapter on the assessments and tests that should that you should get done. If your child needs treatment, I put in a chapter on what the treatment alternatives are, what kind of treatment options are there for your child. If your child needs to, to have treatment, what kind of questions should you ask? You want to be informed as a parent? Mm-hmm. And I just think that this information um, 
helps, I hope, helps parents feel a little bit more confident that if they have to deal with this topic, they hope they don't, but if they do, they feel a little bit prepared to deal with it. Because like anything else, if you feel better prepared, if you feel that you know what the warning signs are, if you if you feel that if you're confronted with it, you know what to do, then it becomes less of a crisis and, and less scary. Mm-hmm. Um, the Addicted Child, that's the name of the book, right? Uh, and please go definitely go check this out and get it for yourself. Because having tools at your fingertips is exactly what we need to have as parents and the information how to use these tools. Go ahead. I would recommend, I would recommend, I would recommend any parent go to the book's website, which which is www.helptheaddictedchild.com, helptheaddictedchild.com. There's book reviews, there's endorsements, there's some blog articles. Uh, One of the blog articles gives 10 tips, 10 simple questions that you can ask your child to check in on their mental health. You might want to take a look at those questions. Some of them can be pretty pretty interesting and, and, and you can use them with your child to every once in a while, just check in with, with mm-hmm. your child's mental health. One of the questions, for example, is it, if your if your feelings were weather, what kind of a day would it be? Like and that's that. a simple way that your child maybe can give you some feedback on on how things are going with you. Mm-hmm. And if they give you an answer like, well, it would be rainy today, then you can follow up and you can you can ask, well, why do you think it would be rainy? Tell me a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. So that's on the website. There's about ten of those little questions that you can use to check in on your child's mental health. Um, and then there are some articles as well. And there's a link that'll take you to Amazon where you could buy the book if you want to. Uh, It's available either as a Kindle for people who like to read on the Kindle or as a paperback uh, that you can keep in your library. Um, I think the benefit of the book is it's short. It's about 100 pages, um, but you'll hopefully get a lot of information that as a parent will help you feel uh, more confident. Yeah. And like I said, and listeners that you know, have, have been so great and supportive of me and growing the show, you know, that, and trust me, I use these tips from Richard and they have worked. They have helped me in these discussions with my children to better just open up these normal conversations that don't have to be heavy or met with any kind of embarrassment or, you know, you just gather the knowledge you need to, talk to them about the different, if you don't know about these substances, do your homework, (laughs) you know, go and find (laughs) out what you can teach them about. And, you know, kind of, like I said earlier, what they're talking about in schools, like you said, gather the information they already know. That's a really great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, it is so nice to catch back up with you and, you know, inform our parents on these important topics and really stay, you know, stay connected with our our children and our adolescents. 
Well, thank you so much for inviting me back to the program and for participating in the discussion. I hope that everyone who listens to us finds that uh, the information has been uh, valuable and helpful for them. And I just want to say thank you. And I really appreciate you having me back on. Yeah. And let's do it again. I mean, you'll just be the the expert that'll come back and will give these great tips for us and keep us well, if you, get, if you get questions <laughs> from your readers or you invite questions and you yeah. come up with a number of questions, just reach out to me and I'd be more than happy to to come back on when we can answer questions that your uh, listeners uh, you know, send in. I love that. I would definitely love to do that. Thank you so much for your time today. And you enjoy some of that sunshine you're getting. Enjoy <laughs> okay. some for me. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great week. Great to see you again. Thanks, Richard. Bye.